Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. A question, have you had a miracle in your life lately? Curious as to know if you've had one, and then if you did, how did you understand the meaning of it? Was there a message that you felt was connected to it? Because it seems that the miracles of Jesus all contain a message, and that's the topic of my conversation today with Beverly Canaris. She's here with me in studio and Bev is a former Bible study fellowship teacher for over 30 years and co-host of a podcast she is becoming. And so we're looking at Luke chapter 5 today as we talk about the miracles with a message. Bev, welcome. Thank you, Bill. Great yeah. to be here. Yeah, I, I think it's uh, going to be a great discussion. I want to get into uh, the miracles of Jesus and how they all contain a message. I love That's, that. It's so easy to remember, isn't it? Yeah. Miracles, message. Miracle so message. when you're reading your Bible, look for that message. Um, but these messages, we're going to look at two miracles today, and um, they have some really powerful messages for us. And so we not only see the face value of the miracle itself, which is very much real, it doesn't under, it doesn't um, in any way take away from the the fact that there's a message there. Both are powerful to when we look at these miracles. So, Bill, what we do or practice speaks a lot about who we are. What we do really backs up our words. You know, we can have a lot of words, but it's it's people are watching how you act if those words are backed up. Now, Jesus taught many things about himself. He taught a lot of things about us through what he did. The miracles of Jesus, like we've said, all contain a message. Today, we're going to look into two miracles and look at the messages within each. The Gospel of Luke has been my meditation for many weeks now, and I'm moving very slowly through it, taking a small portion, reading it over and over each day to really look at it deeply, to picture myself there, to try to picture what's happening. And then I like to ask questions about the passage itself. So, And just, that's a message in itself. Yes. Go through it slowly. Yeah. Just the way you described that. Yeah. That, was, that was lovely. Yeah. And picture Jesus there. Picture what's happening, the emotion behind it. What are the expressions on the faces? And, and it, it, you always have questions about why did this happen or why did that happen? And it really helps you go deep into God's word. Well, these two miracles are found in Luke 5, verses 12 through 26. And we're going to look at two miracles. Like I said, Jesus heals a man with leprosy, and also he heals a paralyzed man. Two guys really in very desperate situations. So let's take a look at them. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a Galilee area, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Right there, my heart just aches. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand, touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Stunning. Stunning. I mean, stunning. Yeah. So many, in so many, it just, it was a small, quick little scene here, but so many things are stunning. So our first question to ask here is, what is the message? What is God saying to me? Well, there's several really important things here. First of all, 
this man was covered with leprosy. This means it was very advanced, and he would have been without hope. He literally was a walking dead man. And treated that way in society. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Terribly. In the Bible, leprosy is a picture of sin, though, and its effects. So that's going to be part of the message here. Our sin is contagious. We receive this sin from the nature, the sin nature from the head of our humanity, Adam. And since the first sin, all people have been contaminated with this sin nature. We sin by nature, and there are people who will dispute that today. But you just, if you have a two-year-old, you know this. Um, And we also sin not only by nature, but also by choice. This sin in us, this leprosy is debilitating. We cannot love and serve God with this sin disease. We cannot keep the Ten Commandments with this sin disease. We make poor choices based on our selfish nature and our pride because of this sin disease. This leprosy of sin in us brings us into God's judgment and wrath. And sin brings eternal condemnation. Sin is permanent separation from God unless God does something about it. Mm. And that's why we thank so you f- appreciate Jesus. Yeah. Thank you for talking about this because people don't like to talk about sin. I know, I know, but Not it's a here, very though. serious matter and it is a part of the good news. Yes. It's part of the good news. Yes. Yeah. So, because sin is an enslaving power and yes. not until Christ can come in and break that enslaving power in your life. Yeah, look how sick this man was exactly. and, and how devastated his yeah, life was. Hopeless. And that's what we do in mm-hmm. our sinful nature. The leprosy of sin also separates us from others. So if you're a leper, you had to live separate from others and live with other lepers or by yourself. You had to keep so many feet away. You had to shout leper as you were coming into upon anyone. And if you were downwind, Bill, you had to stand even farther back. Right. Yeah, it, just terrible. The lepers were also seen as under God's judgment, so they were outcasts from the community of faith as well. Isn't it sin that separates us from people? We're wronged or we wrong others. What causes strife and division in our homes, our families, our friendships? Even sin in the church causes strife and church hurt. Leprosy brought shame and guilt because it was seen as a curse from God upon them. And today, you know what, Bill, if we're really honest, we feel the guilt and shame for sin as well. We can try to um, ignore those feelings and just keep sinning until we have just destroyed our conscience. However, that does not make us any less guilty before God. We try to clean ourselves up, right? But like this man covered in leprosy, we cannot make ourselves clean before God. So what a powerful message and what a powerful picture this is, leprosy is, of this man. He was covered with it. We are covered in our sin, and we can do nothing about it, but we must, too, fall at the feet of Jesus. The leprous man, he falls at his Jesus' feet, and this is how we are made clean, falling at Jesus' feet. We acknowledge our inability to clean ourselves, and so we humble ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ by coming to him and asking the one who alone can make us clean. The Lord Jesus Christ, here's the good news. Here's the good part of realizing our sin. The Lord Jesus Christ has taken the guilt and the punishment of our sin, paid the price on the cross for that sin. Then Jesus rose from the dead so that we too can have forgiveness of sin. We're clean, and now we can be raised to a whole new life of eternal life with God. We can be made not only forgiven, but made righteous. We take the righteousness of Christ upon ourselves and Christ takes our sinful nature. Mm -hmm. 
Now that we've looked at what this teaches us about us, let's focus on what this miracle teaches us about Jesus. I think that's a exceptionally good idea. Beverly Canaris is my guest, and we're talking about the message uh, that is attached to every one of the miracles of Jesus. So uh, we're in Luke chapter 5, if you just joined us, and we're talking about the man that had leprosy that Jesus healed. All right, Bev. Let's keep going. All right. Well, let's learn now about Jesus. This leper did not demand, but he fell at Jesus' feet for mercy. Mercy is undeserved favor. And what's the response of Jesus? This has a powerful message for us, too. The two actions of Jesus give us some very impactful truths about who he is. First of all, he noticed. He noticed him. He didn't look away. He noticed him. He listened to the outcast. So he, he encountered him. He did. Now think, you know. He's in close proximity to him. Yes. And sometimes when we feel our sin so much and we feel like we've really blown it so bad, God couldn't possibly want to be around us. God yeah. couldn't possibly want us or forgive us. And that, just remember the leper. Just yeah. remember that. And he took a risk trying to get close to Jesus too. He did. He yeah. did. He could have been beaten. Yeah. Really away. Yeah. yeah. Um, so first Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, we've just gone through COVID. No hand sanitizer for Jesus here. The touch and how humans need that touch. What a beautiful picture. Jesus touched the unclean, and that's what he does for us. He touches the unclean. He made a personal connection and an act of love and compassion to this man. The Lord Jesus, what do we learn about him here? What's the message about who he is? He's a compassionate God. As we humbly come to him with our need of forgiveness, our sin, our leprosy, he will respond with loving mercy and compassion. He's not going to turn on you or turn away from you. He loves you and has taken your guilt and punishment because of that love. Jesus says, I am willing. He wants you to come to him for the healing you need. Mm. He sees you. Don't be afraid that your sin makes you shameful in front of him. Bring it to him, and he's going to offer you healing. Bev, I love that the leper who approached him asked for healing. He did. If you are willing, make me clean. Yes. I mean, even the request, given his condition, must have been a a stretch. A bold act of faith. And he knew, he said, if you're willing, you can. Don't miss that word. You can do it. So he is coming to Christ with faith. And second, just the word be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left the man with a word, the Lord Jesus, the Father God, uh, uh, who made heaven and earth and everything in it. And just as powerfully, Christ, with his power, can heal your sin and make you a new person. Here is a powerful word of God's willingness and power to save us from the deadly disease of sin. Romans ten nine. if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that Christ raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, the miracle concludes with a warning from Jesus not to tell people, and instead go to the priest. There was a procedure from Leviticus that he needed to follow, but it says here that the word spread all the more. Was it the man? Was it the bystanders who saw this? Christ never sought out to be sensational, but the irony here is this. He said, don't tell, and they did tell. And we are told to go tell others about Christ, and often we fail to tell. Now, the last verse in this miracle has a message as well. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. 
You know, with the increasing popularity and demands, Jesus needed more time with the Father. And the message for us is that serving the Lord requires us to withdraw and receive from the Lord strength, wisdom, and to help us remember the why of serving for His glory alone. So listeners, have you responded to the message of this miracle? Have you confessed your inability to heal yourself and sought Christ to cleanse you? Hmm. I think I'm going to take a break and and let everyone think about that one because I hope that is something you can answer in your heart right now. Have you responded to the message in this miracle where you've confessed your inability to heal yourself and you went to Jesus and asked him to cleanse you? Beverly Canaris is my guest. We'll take a short break and be right back. We would love for you to share your story about why you love Faith Radio and what has Faith Radio changed the way you think about something or even how you live. We want to hear from you. Your story can encourage others and glorify God. Share what you love about Faith Radio by calling 877-933-2484 and leaving a message today. Beverly Canaris is my guest. We are talking about miracles that that have a message because all of Jesus' miracles have a message. And we're in Luke 5 right now talking about the man with leprosy that Jesus heals. And Bev, maybe we can uh, continue on talking about how Jesus forgives and heals uh, a paralyzed man. Yeah, uh, that would be interesting. another mm-hmm. part of this discussion uh, on a miracle with a message I would love to cover today. Yeah, well, let's look into this. This is such a visual um, illustration in a miracle. It's just, you can picture it, it It's um, and it's got such powerful words for us here. In this miracle, we're going to ask the same two questions in order to see the message in the miracle. First, what does this reveal about me? And then what does it reveal about Jesus Christ in this miracle? Now, this miracle is described not only in Luke, but also in Matthew and Mark as well. We learn that Jesus is in Capernaum, which is a city on the edge of the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus is in a house, possibly Peter's house, because he was there at other times. The house was jam-packed with people. Outside of the house, inside the house, crowds everywhere. No one could get close to him. If they came late, too bad. In the crowded house, the religious leaders, of course, took a front row seat. They came from all over Israel at this gathering in order to check out this rabbi. That was such a sensation in their country right now. But they weren't there to uh, be convinced or to really learn. They were there as critics, and we'll see that. Scripture says that the power of the Lord was on Jesus to heal. Sometimes, you know, he chose not to because of the lack of faith. But here he was healing people in Capernaum, and four men come carrying their paralyzed friend on a stretcher. Now, it became obvious quickly that there was no way to get their friend to Jesus with the crowd. However, they really take an unconventional way to bring their friend to Jesus for healing. They went up on the roof and dug through the clay tiles and lowered the paralyzed man right in front of Jesus. Can you picture that scene? 
I just pictured, look at the dirt and the tiles falling on the crowd below. I mean, they couldn't really be too tidy with this whole process. Daylight all of a sudden starts coming through. Everyone is looking up, maybe gasping on the dust. Um, And this great effort by the friends, the man all of a sudden is being lowered and probably quite ill at ease because his life was, you know, he, he couldn't help himself at any point. He was just being lowered by these friends. And all of a sudden he's face to face with Jesus Christ. We learn a message about us from this paralyzed man, their friends, the paralyzed man, and the religious leaders. So first, the message of the man on the mat, how often we are like this man. We are helpless. We don't know what to do. We're vulnerable. We can't move. And we're probably without hope. Being paralyzed, he could not bring about his healing. Jesus alone could do this. And you know what? We are paralyzed in our sin, and we have a need for Jesus to heal us, as did the leper in the former miracle. We also see a message for us in the four friends. Um, There is a book called I Lay My Isaac Down, and in there she talks about having mat bearers. We are to love people by being their mat bearers in bringing them the healing, comfort, and support, bringing our people to the feet of Jesus. Isn't that a great picture of how we can minister to people? Are we mat bearers? And you know what else? We all take turns on the mat. So it's great to be a mat bearer. You know, we we like doing that. But it's not so much fun to be on the mat. But we all have our turns. Now, Jesus first tells the man that because of this act of faith by his friends, the man's sins are forgiven. Now, did he look at Jesus with a bit of disappointment? Like, uh this body <laughs> note body did the friends kind of get disappointed when they heard that was came out of his mouth but jesus knew his his biggest need and his biggest need was to have a restored relationship with god through the forgiveness of sins not necessarily his condition due to a specific sin either it wasn't that he was sinning as why he got how he was paralyzed i think this was a case of general suffering Now, Jesus calls him friend, and I love that because Jesus does call us his friends when we have been reunited with him through his uh, salvation. Now, the religious leaders object, and they're thinking to themselves. Notice that in the passage. They're thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Yeah, they were pretty mad. Pretty mad, but they thought they could just think those thoughts, and Jesus wouldn't know that. But Jesus... It says in Scripture, knew their thoughts, and he calls them out. Mm. Beverly Canaris is my guest as we're talking about the message that are in each miracle of Jesus. And we're talking about now Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. And so Jesus confronts them, and he says, Why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And this is what we learn about Jesus. He is God, and he can forgive sins. Basically, that's what he told these religious leaders. He is their long-awaited Messiah who would do these kinds of miracles as prophesied long ago. We also know here, Bill, which is always a little unnerving, that Jesus knows our thoughts. And that's why he said, even if you think these things in your mind, it's a sin. So, interesting, we don't want to keep those thoughts there I heard one person say, yes, he knows our thoughts, but we don't have to let those thoughts build a nest in our head, you mm-hmm. know, those flying in thoughts. We we can reject them. 
So what do we learn about ourselves here? What's the message about ourselves in the religious leaders? Well, when we feel we're the judges of truth and not God and his word, that's what they were doing. We can be critics in the peanut gallery when spiritual truth is mentioned. And that was not the right role for these spiritual uh, leaders, quote, of the time. Jesus had the final word on truth. Now then, turning to the man on the mat, Jesus tells him, get up, take up your mat, and go home. The man in faith obeyed. He immediately stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Having faith in Christ as your spiritual healer is a command as well. Jesus proved his claim to be able to forgive sin by the healing. So that was a powerful scene. He first forgave the sins, which came into question, and then he proved that he could forgive sin and had powers like that so that he then actually healed the man as well. Now, the response of the crowd, what was that? Well, it was amazement. They gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things here today. So here's our challenge, listeners. Who will you be a mat bearer for today? Who will, bring, who will you bring to Jesus with their needs? Have you obeyed the biblical command to believe in Jesus and then taken up your mat and praised him for that? Yeah, it's a great Great message in that miracle. And they have both messages in these two miracles of Jesus. Jesus healing a man with leprosy. Uh, great message in that. And and then the, this next illustration in, in Luke about Jesus not only forgiving, but healing a paralyzed man. And I think if we examine our lives and we look at times in which we would say that was a miracle, we will quickly be able to have a story or a message that we learned from it. I don't think there's ever going to be a miracle in your life that you don't walk away with with a profound understanding of what God did in your life. Exactly. Who he is, too. Who I mean, he is. That's our most important thing that we need to know. Who is God? Mm-hmm. Second, who are we? Well. And the messages in these miracles tell us exactly that. Yeah. So if you are um, thinking of a miracle that you've had in your life, Maybe today is a good time to review the message that was attached to that miracle, just a refresher course in being reminded of not only these messages that we see in in Luke's uh, gospel, but also the personal experience you had and the miracle that you had in your life and what God showed you about yourself and what God showed you about himself. I think that's oftentimes the strongest reminder is a, such a personal, intense experience where you think God created, God brought a miracle into my life. Yeah. yeah. Because it, the lesson you learn from that, you, you will never forget. It's, just, it's not just for the goosebumps. <laughs> no, it's not right? at all. You, no. Go for the message. And take, take that message and share it with, with friends and people that ask questions about your life and you bring up your miracle that God did in your life and then share what you know. Share the message. Pass that information on and it will build up the body of Christ. It will make people who are outside of God's family curious because people love hearing stories of miracles. They do. They're all looking Indeed. for one. Yeah. Bev, thanks for being here. My privilege. All Loved right. it. Beverly Canaris has been my guest. We have looked at two miracles in the book of Luke. They both are, are in chapter five. We'll take a break when we come back. Professor Mark Senius is joining me. He is the communications director right here at the University of Northwestern. We're going to talk about creativity. That's all next. 
It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. Drive time, drive time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. What's for dinner? It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno. I love that line that says, let's get it started. Yeah. What, what are we getting started with? Mark Senius is my guest. He's in studio. He's the director of communications right here at the University of Northwestern. And um, Mark, nice to have you here. <laughs> it's good to be here. I was just thinking in that uh, in that jingle, <laughs> yeah. you were thinking about like, let's go home for dinner. Well, that's exactly what I was. You're thinking. a sinner. <laughs> that's and a winner. That's not well. That's that's well. No, and finish. Your, I don't know. I like it. I like yeah. it. Cool. All right, you got a big uh, creativity conference coming up this weekend uh, through the university, and I do want to hear about that. Yeah, so we uh, wanted to have an event for our students here at Northwestern. We're really involved with uh, Northwestern Media. We have lots of our students that are interning and working up here and graduates that are part of the the Ministry of Northwestern Media. And we wanted to do something where we could kind of connect with Northwestern Media, but then also the outer community. Um, and so we put together this MEL conference. And uh, we like to call ourselves the MEL, which is uh, kind of the building that our communication school Mel is Johnson. in. Yeah, the yeah, Mel Johnson. So we call media. it the MEL. Yeah, the yeah. MEL, for the sure. Mel. Which also we've kind of had another um, sort of name for it or acronym. So it's the Media Entertainment Lab. Okay. That's the number name. Or the Mandalorians Endlessly Looping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did, I'm hearing that for the first time. <laughs> yeah. So just, uh, so, but it's the Mel Johnson Media Center. We're the Mel. And we're media today and creativity. Um, there's, it's really not just one thing. It's, you know, all of life. I mean, everybody is creative. And because uh, we're created in the image of God, yeah. right? And we God re- is very creative. We reflect divinity. <laughs> Do you think? Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously, we are created. We're the image bearers of God. Right. So one of the ways that, that we are in his image is that we are we are allowed to create things. We're allowed to make things and do stuff, right? He wants us. We, have, we are stewards of creation. And so let's be creative. And so, but it's hard because a lot of people think, well, I'm not creative or creative is over here and I'm just not that. And mm-hmm. so it's like, you know. Creativity is uh, is how you come about solving problems, and like you've got these things, and there's uh, you got to figure out how to do it, and you know whether it's uh, you know maybe fixing something that's broken, or maybe you have an idea for a movie or a film or a podcast sure. or whatever it is, and it's like, well, how am I going to do that? But we often get stuck in that whole process. So the whole conference is kind of about how do you get unstuck like. in your creativity, because it does take courage. It takes, you know, be strong and courageous, right? And it does take some bravery and it takes a little bit of uh, action mm-hmm. as well. I mean, something, you know, to be creative, you got to put it into practice. And so that's what the conference is about. And we have some really terrific speakers that will be joining us for, nice. the, for the conference. When you think of creativity and people that say, I don't know if I'm creative or if I have that in me, I say, fire your inner critic, because you do. Absolutely. There, there's plenty of creativity in every person. Absolutely. And anything that you're doing, no matter what job you have, it, I mean, it, it could be the Rand Corporation or whatever. I mean, it's just, right. you know, doing being some computer analyst somewhere. Um, because, I mean, there's never enough time and money to do whatever it is that you need to do in your day, right? And so how you navigate this limited amount of time and um, and money that you might have or whatever it might take to do it, 
I mean, you're going to have to be creative in that constraint, right? So we have to embrace our constraints. I mean, Christ, you know, he came in human form, could have, you know, Thanos snapped everything, you know, the way he wanted it. But no, you know, he came, he endured, he, uh, he knew the joy that was set before him. He, you know, came in human form. So he was constrained in that human form. And so he embraced his constraints, and he's the most creative person that's ever walked this earth. He was also God, and he also created the world. Right. So it's like, so like there should be hope in that. It's like, oh, well, the Lord is creative, and I'm creative. So you know, finding finding joy in just the constraints that you have. Yeah, I mean, there's forty three uh, thousand different kinds of worms. If I was creating. <laughs> I'd be done at two or three. Yeah. Wouldn't you? <laughs> oh, absolutely. But you look at the creative. That's, that's good enough. That's plenty. <laughs> enough, worm, enough worms. But you look at the creative nature of God and, and his uh, prolific creation and you go, this is so cool to observe. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just the trees outside the window of your office or, you know, looking at just like, well, there's a pine tree or a maple or an ash or, mm-hmm. a, um, you know, an elm tree or whatever. Yeah. Just, I mean, all these different beautiful just the variety of trees that are on this planet. And then when it comes fall, wow, here's another sort of look at how God creates and just the beautiful yeah. colors now of all the different trees and yeah. plants. Mark Senius is in studio. He's the director of communications at the University of Northwestern. We're talking about a creativity conference that's coming up this weekend that he's in charge of. Uh, why, Mark, do we lose our sense of wonder? You know, you talk, you talk about leaves and and you go, well, who's noticed the leaves today? <laughs> well, in Minnesota in, in September, late September, you're starting to notice them because they're so pretty. And you're like, oh, oh, man. Oh, no, stop. <laughs> it's going to be cold. <laughs> but, but yeah, you're good. No, but I mean, why? What happens to us that we kind of lose our, our sense of wonder? I think we just don't take time to stop. I mean, we we do. We just kind of rush around and, you know, there's busy and productive. There's a difference, right? Everybody can be, everybody can be busy. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, I could be the most busy bodied person there is. I love to chat with other people and never get anything done. You're so, like, good, at, you're so good at chatting. Though. You're the best <laughs> chatter ever. Yes. I'm like George Jetson on the <laughs> treadmill trying to get something done. <laughs> it's Jane. So, but... Yeah, I think I think it's really that. And then but also culture because it's so impatient. I mean, it's always just wanting to drive you and it's like, you know, so we have this sort of, you know, that Veruca salt. I want it now, daddy. I want it now, you know, and the Oompa Loompas are ready to come, you know, take you away to some uh-huh. wherever those people go in Willy Wonka, but it's just I think we just we're so impatient and we we don't really trust the Lord kind of enough. And I think in our day that we just sort of are often, oh, I had to do this and this and this and this. And so just taking that moment to really reflect and pause. Mm-hmm. So You'd mentioned earlier too, Mark, about uh, courage being uh, part of the creative process. And when I think of that, I always go to Jesus healing uh, the paralytic man where they lowered him down through the roof. And I think, well, he was in on it too. He, The guy in the mat was going... I'm, you what? Yeah. I'm game for this idea. Lower me down. Just get me in front of him. I want to say that took as much courage as anything. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, to, to, a, there's creativity totally on display there, right? To, what? Yeah. It's like, well, how can we get to this guy? The build, the build, the you know, the whole room is packed. Yeah. Let's go through the roof. Let's yeah. start ripping roof tiles. Yeah. I'm not sure they had roof tiles, but, <laughs> but, but you sort of like a Three Stooges bit. I'm sure whether we're up there on the <laughs> up there on the roof. And, uh, how are we going to get up there? I don't know. Just... Hey, Mo, we don't know nothing about roofing. <laughs> Wise guy. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, but they're lowering him down. You can imagine the debris that must have been coming down in the middle of the room, 
uh, where everyone was packed, right? That couldn't have been pleasant. And this guy is coming down on a mat, and tell me that didn't take courage on his part to say, yeah, let's do this. I want to be on that mat coming down in front of Jesus. Well, and then the other side of it, too, where people are watching this, I'm sure that there was some people that were like, we got to arrest this guy. Who's this guy breaking into this yeah. building? And, you know, it'd be all litigation and craziness and all of that. But, you know, that's there's no better place, place to be when you're, like, near Jesus, especially mm-hmm. when you read the book of Mark, just that geography, all the things where people are really close to Jesus, t- trying to grab the hem of his garment. Things are going pretty well with him. And the others that are far away and lobbying questions and cynicism are pretty far away from the Lord. Mm -hmm. When you think of creativity or inventing something or making music or creating any kind of artwork or when you solve a problem, because you had mentioned that earlier, Mark, is it is a piece of creativity. It's a piece of the divinity that we have within us that God has gifted us with. So let's not be squashing it or suppressing it, right? Right. Well, and then also realizing that we are finite creatures and there's God and then there's us. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're going to fail at that. We're going to be, there's going to be lots of mistakes in the process. And, and so to not, you know, what that courage is, is to not be afraid to fail. So if you're going to get in there and just like fail magnificently. Totally. There's yeah. a song by Thad Cockrell. It's called Swinging. And it's like, you know, I want to go out swinging. You know, I don't want to take strike three, just sitting on the bench with, you know, here I have my talents and I'm just going to bury them and not swing. I want to get in there and do something, be active and try to make something. Mm-hmm. When you do anything creative, you have to be prepared to fail miserably. I, I, I think there's no other way to, to do it. Well, and that's where the learning comes. It's like, oh, well, that didn't work very well. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoops, let's yeah. do that again. You know, and you look at about all the great inventions and stuff. I mean, how many times did Edison, Orville, or yeah. the Wright brothers, you know, fail at flying or yeah. whatever. They went 120 yards in 12 seconds, the Wright brothers, <laughs> you know. And then they went back to their little workshop and they tried to figure out how it went. And there was no, uh, you know, there was no peanut service on that flight. There was nothing. (laughs) They decided if we want to ever make people happy, we got to have (laughs) peanuts and beverages. Don't you think that was part of the discussion? Oh, absolutely. It was like, I want to have peanuts in the air. It's really (laughs) what somebody said to themselves. (laughs) One day there will be peanuts on this flight. And and I think there was hot air balloons at that time, right? So it's like, I would like to be able to move through the air faster than walking, right? Yeah. That's what I think it really drove. But every time you hear a story of creativity, you always hear uh, more opinions about how it won't work than how it will. And now look where we are today, right? We're, we've been to the moon. We've, you know, we've flown. I haven't we've flown. been to the well, moon. I mean, you have maybe, but maybe. I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> In college, yeah. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, I would say that <laughs> when we were, you know, we're here, I mean, now we have the Hubble telescope. And, I know. Uh, and, or, and what's the other one? The, the one that we're getting those pictures from Jupiter and, you know, the God's creation. Oh, yeah. And, when, oh, you know, the heavens declare the glory yeah, of the Lord. Yeah, tip of my tongue. I don't know what that is. Yeah, neither do yeah, I. That's why yeah. I said Hubble telescope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now it's, I'm, all I'm going to think about now is okay. that name. So, yeah, where's Google when you need him? Well, I've got a computer in front of me, but maybe yeah. Rosie will look it up. I don't know. That really super cool. I want to say it was like James Webb, but wasn't that like it was a, something like wasn't a, that? Yeah. A, it wasn't that like Dragnet or something. <laughs> so I don't know. <laughs> But creativity is in all of us, and I want to encourage you, if you uh, don't think you're a creative person, to uh, I want to disavow you of that. You are creative. Everybody has been created in the image mm. of God. You're image bearers of God. You do reflect divinity, and um, we are his beloved. 
There Amen. you go. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. And to really enjoy who, who we are. We are loved by him. And, you know, and there's no better place to be than where you are, where God puts you. And like, okay, we'll just embrace all of that. And like, okay, let's try to move forward and be faithful and trust in him. And mm-hmm. trust in that slow work of God. Mm-hmm. I think Rosie's got her answer. I do. Should we... Should we do an over and under for it? You kind of came up with the name a little bit. Right. I know there's, the, there's Webb in it, but I don't know what's James the James Webb. Oh, there we go. What did you say? Uh, I don't know. Derek Webb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew it was wrong, but <laughs> yeah, you, just, you came up with a good guess. But it was James Webb? Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I got it right. Then. But I love I love learning about the creative nature of God. I love hearing facts. You know, we talk about science and, and James Webb telescope and even the idea that if you emptied out the sun— you could put 1.3 million Earths in it. 1.3 million Earths would fit in the, in the sun if it was empty. Right. Well, and then there's the, what is it, the, one of the Psalms where it just talks about sort of the span of God's hand and we're like in the hollow of the yeah. of the hand. And, you know, it's like yeah. that's, he's got the whole universe in the hollow of his hand. Yeah. That's always struck me. Like that, he's a big God. Yeah. That's today's understatement. It, it is. I, I love that. But when you come to God and you have, Prayers and petitions, do you think we mm. sometimes come uh, thinking that, mm, is this too big or is this, uh, this is something I'm, I'm, I really need an answer for. And do we, do we ever doubt that he's going to hear and answer? Yeah. Well, it's like all that effort, right? It feels yeah. like it would be a lot of it. Really? You know, it's, I, I'm okay. I can, I'll be fine. <laughs> you know, and it's like, and then, then suddenly he does that, does something, right? He does this amazing answered prayer and it might be. 10 years from now or five yeah. years or 10 minutes, right? So it's right. Just, it could be anywhere in there. And it's like, wow. I mean, just some sort of all that effort to do that. Yeah. Really? Yeah. When but, you get those little God winks and it's like, oh man, mm-hmm. I love but, that stuff. But then can we uh, trust and stay f- faithful when the prayer doesn't work out the way we had hoped? That's I, That I think is the hard part. I do too. Um, because, yeah, and to know that you, you just... You have to trust the slow work of God. I I went to the Boundary Waters uh, this summer, and why? Because I love the serenity of of creation um, in mosquitoes nature. up there were pinstripe suits. Uh, you they're would that, think, but they're that uh, tough. But when we went, they 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 were, didn't ex- they weren't there. Oh come on, they were on vacation. Really? really? It, was oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was August. All right, you know. But uh, so I'm there, and um, but. Read this poem by this uh, by this guy from uh, his name is Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. I know that name. Yeah, yeah. And it's just he's got this poem called "Trust in the Slow Work of God," and you know that we're we you know we like to skip the intermediate stages and we mm-hmm. just you know we want it like now and to you know just to be able to trust to know that His hand is at work in your life. And you know the, the slow work of God is going to unfail because or unfold because He makes a promise that He's never going to you know He makes an everlasting promise He's always going to do good for you, and so okay well that doesn't mean easy it just means that it's going to be good mm-hmm. and to sit there and trust in that that's where you know that hope can really come from to where you can cling and hold fast to your faith. Were you going to read something that he wrote? So um, I don't know. Sometimes I don't like you know, like people don't like to be read to. But, I know. Uh, <laughs> I fell asleep just trying to start to read it. Yeah. But um, but just above all, trust in the slow work of God. We are quite naturally impatient in everything to reach the end without delay. 
We should like to skip the intermediate stages. We're impatient of being on the way to something unknown, something new. And yet, it is the law of progress that is made passing through some stages of instability. Mm, And that may take a very long time. Yeah. And so I think it is with you. No, I like that. Your ideas mature gradually. Let them grow. Let them shape themselves without undue haste. Don't try to force them on as though you would you could be today what time, that is to say grace and circumstances are acting on your own goodwill. What that could make uh, of tomorrow, right? Don't make today what it could be tomorrow. And only God could say with this new spirit, gradually forming within you will be. Give our Lord the benefit of believing that his hand is leading you and accept the anxiety of feeling yourself in suspense and incomplete. Mm. Trust in the slow work of God. He is the vine dresser. Mm. I like that. That's yeah. really good. Yeah. I'd, How do you pronounce his last name again? I don't know. Some, yeah. I mean, you took some, a shot at it. I, I did. It was, it was good. A, it's Pierre de Rune de S.J. Yeah. He was a Chardine. Yeah. Not Sardine, but it's... Chardine. Yeah. Chardé? Chardine, yes. S-H-A-R-D-I-N. I have one line of his memorized. And he said, Chardine said, we are all spiritual beings having a human experience. We are, absolutely. Yeah, we are. There's no difference between secular and sacred. I mean, everything's sacred, right? Because yeah. God created it. Yeah. You know, how, what we do with it is another matter, of course. But, yeah. but that's a beautiful thing, knowing that, you know, yeah. everything's happening right on schedule. Yeah, Mark, I don't know if you know a lot about radio, but we have to take what's called in the business a break, right? <laughs> a break? <laughs> yeah, it's a break. So we're going to go away, and then, but we'll be back, right? Oh, good. Yeah, Mark Sanius is my guest. He's the uh, director of communications here at the University of Northwestern. We'll be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter, thank you so much. Becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Welcome back to the show, you beautiful image bearers of God. So glad that you are listening today. Mark Senius is my guest in studio. He is the Director of Communications here at the University of Northwestern, and he is uh, all getting all ready for a creativity conference happening uh, tomorrow, uh, and it's going to uh, have a lot of speakers and some interesting topics. Uh, Mark, this is not open to the public, right? Um, no, I mean, it's not... Quite open to the public. I mean, you can register for it if you want. It's a pretty limited amount of right. tickets that are available, but because yeah. uh, we're in a fairly small space and we want to have people be able to interact, yeah. so we're not like at the XL Energy Center just right. like, woo, let's be creative, right on. And everybody gets their <laughs> gets their phones out and we yeah. all wave it. But um, yeah, so it's a little bit intimate. It's primarily for for students and alumni of Northwestern gotcha. from the communication department, and then some prospective students. Uh, we have four alumni that are. Uh, speaking at the conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the topics? What are some things you can share on the show that sure. would would just be uh, helpful for people? Well, we're trying to connect other like careers, not necessarily just like here's a 
you know, here I'm a radio guy or I'm a film guy or whatever. Is, so one of I love food and the way that we that the creativity involved in food and how it works and then the the community that it does create and hospitality. So um, Karen Tomlinson, who is the the chef of uh, Muriel in in St. Paul, will be here. She graduated a number of years ago, and uh, she is a wonderful uh, woman of God and. Uh, is very creative in what she brings to the kitchen, and much mm-hmm. of it is drawn on her past and just like being comfortable in your own skin and the life that you had growing up. Um, she had a really rich relationship with her mom and dad, and especially her grandmother, who would who taught her how to make apple pie. Mm. You know, um, and so just and how to be tender with the dough, and you know how that drives much of her cooking. She a was tended to spiking as yeah, we speak. Yeah, <laughs> and so she has a wonderful restaurant, and she's been around for a while, and she. Um, she was nominated for a James Beard Award a couple of years ago uh, with when she was working at Corner Table, but now she has her own restaurant. And so, and the creativity that uh, is involved in that, because she takes the story or the, the name of the restaurant, Muriel, from Les Miserables, the bishop from that particular story who offered hospitality to Jean Valjean, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, that changed his life, in, you know, in the course of that epic story. And so she's always been drawn to that. And so, um, and her food really reflects just who she has been um, throughout all these years, you know, just being Swedish and um, and then having to go off to Sweden and then get to work with Magnus Nilsson, who was like one of the top five restaurants in the country at the time with, you know, Favikin. And, and so it's just, you know, just knowing where you have been is is going to help reflect and be able to, you know, drive what part, what your creativity what, what word did I just use there? Your creativity would be today. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, fascinating. So just you, there is a great story in your past. And then um, we have Andy Uso, who's going to be, who's the afternoon personality um, at uh, our one of our Northwestern media stations. And and so he's like, you got to, you, you know, there, you have to, there's some change you're going to have to make because you do have to have a discipline in it. Um, to be creative and and to really think, but but trust the process and and it's like it's, the process is good. It's hard and confusing at times, but really just kind of get in, get into it. And and there's you know everybody says think outside the box, but he's going to talk about how you really should be just be thinking inside the box. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so he'll be here. And then um, Mary Jo Hoffman, who is part of the she runs Still Blog, and um, I don't know what that is. It's a she takes she goes out for a walk every day. And what she does is she just takes a picture, something in creation that just catches her eye. And she'll every day, she's been doing it for over 10 years, every day, one photo every day. And she'll post it online. Um, and so, but she does also some photographic work for uh, West Elm and Martha Stewart. And okay. So she's a creative eye and a gifted photographer. Correct. Yeah, that's a nice combination. Yeah, you think? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I do think. I think I've seen her work. Yeah, it's it's magnificent. Just these still life photos. Yeah, they're they're, gorgeous. mm -hmm, It's amazing. So that's stillblog.com. Okay. So Andy Uso is a graduate. He'll be here. Then uh, also Joe Sutton, who is the in-game host at the Minnesota Twins and Wild Games, will Mm -hmm. be doing a little thing. And then, uh, yeah, it's going to be really cool. He. Andrew, uh, Andy Uso, Joe Sutton, 
Karen Tomlinson are all graduates yeah. of Northwestern. And then Drew Geneiser is the host. And so he's uh, runs Creative Mornings in the Twin Cities. Nice. And so he's also a graduate of Northwestern. Yeah. And did so. you teach all these uh, guests, all these speakers? Uh, were they all under um, in your class yeah. at some point? <laughs> uh, all, uh, not Karen, but uh, I don't think I ever had her in class, but she was around. Okay. So I know I've known her for a really long time. So you, you must feel kind of a little, little proud. That... Not until right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> until you but they've gone out and done out. well. Yeah, and, and remarkable stories, each yeah. of them. I mean, it's really, I mean, you know, I remember Andy Uso in my office and we were praying. He's like, should I take a job over in Sioux Falls? And it's like, well, yeah, you kind of should. Mm-hmm. And um, because, you know, one of these days, uh, you know, you're, you're, gonna, you're, you're married and you're you're going to need benefits for when the baby arrives, and so mm-hmm. it'd be good. And then, yeah, and know, regular uh, income. <laughs> you know, a few months later, hey, guess what? <laughs> and I'm so glad I took the job. And then, but I really wanted to work. He was praying. I want to work afternoons, or you know, work at KTIS yeah. on the FM side in the Twin Cities. And you know, it took ten years, but that's God. God did the work and yeah. brought it to fruition. Yeah. I remember my very first week in stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. I, I was the opening act for Dana Carvey. <laughs> Yeah. That would be overwhelming. Well, he he was, you know, he was not that well known at the point. Mm. You know, he had not been on Saturday Night Live yet. He was just a mm. working comic. And I said, I said to him, Dana, this is my first week in a comedy club. I had done, you know, other events and other um, shows and stuff. But he said, he said, well, you have to do it for seven years to see if you're going to be any good. <laughs> I said, whoa, whoa, wait, seven years. I need to know by the end of this week if I'm going to be any good. <laughs> I, I, I can't wait seven years. Right. Th- th- that's trust not, in the slow work of God. Trust in the slow work of God. That's exactly it. Yeah. And it really is. It's a seven to 10 year process to see what you have, what your chops are, what, you, what you're bringing to the table. Right. Well, and just what you would learn in that whole time and as you make those mistakes along the way uh, yeah. and embrace that and not be like fearful of it it's like okay well here we go let it rip and yeah and then see what god does and yeah. you'll be amazed you'll look back on that and say look what the lord has done we're glad yeah no i mark thank you so much for coming in and being part of the show today and i wish you the best on the creativity conference this weekend here right here at the university of northwestern Always a pleasure to have you here. Oh, it's such a blast Thank being you. on. Mark Senius has been my guest. We will take a short break and be back with more in just a minute. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.